Picture this, you're sitting down to watch a live poetry performance. The first poet takes the stage, and as they begin to read, they're accompanied by a live jazz band. If this sounds intriguing, well, you're in luck. International Jazz Poetry Month returns to Pittsburgh on May 2nd. The festival features more than 50 artists, including local jazz icons and poets from Algeria, Cuba, Sudan, and Ukraine. Tickets to watch online or in person at City of Asylum's home on the north side are free. Get yours at cityofasylum.org before they're gone. Today on CityCast Pittsburgh. There was a lot of money floating around our elections earlier this month, and for races that a lot of people probably don't think that much about. Today, we're talking about the state Supreme Court race that not only broke its own spending record, but also got a bunch of national media attention. It's Monday, November 27th. I'm Megan Harris, and here's what Pittsburgh is talking about. We're with Mark Levy, a reporter for the Associated Press who covers politics and government in Pennsylvania. Mark, it's really nice to talk to you again. Thanks for having me on. This is great. Of course. So obviously we know the result. Democrat Dan McCaffrey beat Republican Carolyn Carluccio to win a seat on the state Supreme Court. You report that their campaigns and a bunch of outside groups spent at least $22 million on the race that we know of so far. How did all this cash break down? So, yeah, the first thing to know is that this smashed the state record for spending in a judicial race um, above and beyond what was spent previously in a race. What was it before? Well, before, I think it was around nine million dollars in the oh 20- God, more than double. Yeah, way more than double. And I'm not sure people really knew that this was coming. I think some people foresaw it. Some people were surprised by it. But yeah, it it broke down where most of it was spent to help Dan McCaffrey, the Democrat. I would say about thirteen and a half million to about eight and a half million. So the winner is the one that spent the most money. Yeah, that's right. And a lot of the money came from outside groups that are not allowed to coordinate with the candidates. So in theory, the candidates didn't know what was going to be spent on their behalf or who was spending it or how they were spending it. And Pittsburghers and Allegheny County folks are probably keenly aware of it. They probably got flyers in their mailboxes. They were probably seeing a lot of TV ads and they were probably hearing radio ads. And those are by far the most expensive things that this money goes towards. They were probably seeing uh, ads on YouTube or when they're opening some of their social media apps, they're seeing stuff like that, talking about Carolyn Carlucci or Dan McCaffrey. Are areas like Pittsburgh, um, I guess any city center, more likely to see ads like this in big elections, even off-year elections? It it usually depends on who's spending the money and what effect they're trying to have. So if they're really trying to help themselves, say, in the Scranton TV market or the Erie TV market, they may dump a disproportionate amount of money there. It's cheaper to run TV ads there. It's more expensive to run them in Pittsburgh. But in the Pittsburgh media market, Uh, A lot of the money from Democrats went there because that's where their voters are. How do you think that this spending and its outcome maybe compare to previous state Supreme Court elections? 
Well, we we see the results in turnout. I mean, turnout for an odd year election was at a record level for Pennsylvania. So I can see online the last 25 years of elections. Uh, this broke a record at 35%. Um, and that's for bef- this race specifically or turnout overall? Turnout overall, right. Uh, well, for this race, for the state Supreme Court race, the top of the ticket race is how we typically measure turnout. It was 35%. That's the highest it's been in 25 years of odd year elections. Um, clearly, it's different presidential elections. But yeah, you can see that the money had an effect. It drove turnout. More people voted than usual. And um, Allegheny County was a key participant in that. Turnout in Allegheny County was uh, 40% in the state Supreme Court race, but in the race where the most people voted was the DA's race, and that was 41%. So you can see that turnout to vote in uh, two hotly contested races for chief executive in Allegheny County and district Mm -hmm. attorney in Allegheny County, that really drove turnout. There was a lot of spending in those races. There were TV ads. I was about to say, that also got a lot of outside money, which we've talked about on this show before. That's right. And that that clearly helped drive turnout in Allegheny County, which was good for Dan McCaffrey. He did very well in Allegheny County. That helped his margin uh, tremendously in, in his victory over Carolyn Carluccio. And, you know, look, the sides spend money because they know that it does have an effect in turning out voters. The more effectively it's spent, the more people will come out and vote. Yeah. And one aspect that also was on the minds of Democrats who were spending in this race was the fact that they lost the 2021 race. Republicans won it. Republican Kevin Brobson narrowly beat the Democrat Maria McLaughlin for an open state Supreme Court seat. That helped Republicans retain a seat on the court. But what's interesting about it is that Republicans outspent Democrats in that election. The Republican spending was over $5 million to Democrats, spending of around $4 million. And Democrats were both a little stunned by that, by the amount that outside groups put in for the Republican. Some of the things that they've said to me is that, you know, there just was sort of a a lackluster donor response that they just didn't really feel like dumping money into this race. And there was also some sense that uh, Democrats were caught by surprise by the amount that Republicans were willing to put into that race. So this was definitely on the minds of Democrats that they needed to rebound. They needed to draw the line here and they needed to set the tone for 2025. And it was such a tight margin too, only 25,000 votes, which sounds like a lot, but for a statewide race, that's really, really tight. Yeah, I think it stung and it motivated them this time around to get together, to to plan together. They had groups from across the progressive spectrum that were donating, whether it was labor unions, whether it was Planned Parenthood, the ACLU, uh, Every Town for Gun Safety. These are groups that put a lot of money into this election. What do you think motivated people the most? Like, why do you think that state Supreme Courts, I mean, I I know it's top of the ticket, but it seems it seems kind of far removed from us here on the western side of the state. Why do you think that the messaging resonated so much with donors and obviously with voters as well? Well, Democrats made this race about abortion rights and they know that it's motivating. Yeah. Um, what they found in in their focus groups over the summer when they were preparing for the race and deciding how much they might have to spend was that voters um, were really turned off by candidates who have an anti-abortion position, you know, candidates for judge. But they were also really turned off by the idea that 
somebody who's running for a court position might be hiding their position. And so that's what Democrats made this race about. You can see it in their ads, in their flyers, whether it was McCaffrey's campaign or outside groups. They talked about Caroline Curlucio, that she was anti-abortion and that she was trying to hide her position. And, you know, she was endorsed by two anti-abortion groups. One of them told me that she had told them that, yes, she is pro-life. But the, the crux of that of that messaging by Democrats was when she removed uh, wording from her website right after the primary. And the website said something to the effect that she would protect all life under the law, which in the primary was supposed to signal to pro-life voters that she was anti-abortion. She had a primary challenge. She had to cater to some of the big constituencies in the Republican electorate. And the anti-abortion constituency is a big part of the Republican electorate and primaries. And so as soon as she won the primary, they got rid of it from the website and Democrats pounced on that. She was trying to hide an anti-abortion position. Do you like to dance, look at beautiful art, eat gourmet snacks, people watch? Well, mark your calendars for Friday, June 7th for one of my favorite parties in Pittsburgh. It's Mattress Factory's 25th Garden Party. The theme this year is make-believe, and it's all to celebrate and support the creatives in our community. There's going to be live music, an open bar, an art auction, and probably my favorite, the costume contest. Trust me, I will be judging yins, and so will everyone else there. Be playful, be imaginative, explore your magical realm, because this is a theme party. You want to come dressed to impress. You must be 21 and up to attend, and rest assured, every dollar raised goes directly towards supporting the museum, its art, its education, and all of its community outreach initiatives. Get your tickets now to the 25th Mattress Factory Garden Party. They are in our show notes and online at mattress.org. And, you know, you alluded to some issues that I think a lot of us are thinking about right now, but what's the likelihood that some decisions could be made by this court in the near future? There are a couple key cases that we've been watching and writing about in front of the state Supreme Court. It's too late for Dan McCaffrey to play a role in it. You know, the state Supreme Court currently has a 4-2 Democratic majority. So McCaffrey's victory doesn't change necessarily the majority. It will give Democrats uh, a longer term 5-2 majority, but the 4-2 majority will is expected anyway to rule on one case involving abortion rights, and that is a challenge to a state law that prevents taxpayer funding of abortion. Planned Parenthood and um, various abortion clinics are have challenge in court that's before the state Supreme Court. The other challenges from Philadelphia, and I believe Pittsburgh also is a party to the case, essentially challenging the ability of a state law to prevent municipalities from imposing their own restrictions on guns for the sake of, of preventing gun violence and deaths and fatalities and injuries. Which the city of Pittsburgh did try to do. Right, right. This challenge is before the court. It's been argued. We're just waiting for a decision like the taxpayer-funded abortion case. Um, And 
There's one other case that we could see come before the state Supreme Court, and that is a hangover from the former governor, Tom Wolf. His administration wanted a cost on power plants that pollute, that send uh, global warming gases like carbon dioxide into the air, wanted to charge them for it. That's being challenged. It's been halted by a lower court, the Commonwealth Court, and the current governor, Josh Shapiro, who, like Wolf is a Democrat, may appeal it to the state Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. Well, and of course, there's still a possibility that these spending totals are going to get even bigger. As we're recording, we haven't seen them yet, but those final reports are supposed to be finished today and come out by or before December 7th. Um, what are you expecting to see? So... My guess is that most of the outside, if all of the outside groups or most of the outside groups were reporting to the state in real time through the election, what they were spending. So we know that universe. The one thing that candidates didn't have to report was what they were spending the last two weeks. They'll have to report that here in the coming days before December 7th. They had about an extra million dollars on hand from what I can tell combined, McCaffrey and Carluccio. I think McCaffrey had slightly more. So we could see spending go past 23 million, which would put it even further past uh, the last record in, in 2020. To put it in context, though, Wisconsin had a, a high profile state Supreme Court race in April, and an organization that tracked the spending in that race tabbed it at uh, 51 million. So people who wow. suspected that we might have a high profile race here. We're watching what happened in Wisconsin. And that race was for the majority. That tipped the majority of the Democrats. Democrats ran on abortion. And now you have a progressive majority on that state Supreme Court and a lot of laws that that may get challenged um, as a result. Mark, thank you so much for all your great reporting. We'll put a link to your most recent piece for the Associated Press in our show notes. Thanks for having me. This was great. I enjoyed it. That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. And a very happy birthday to the city itself. On this day in 1758, General John Forbes renamed the area around Fort Pitt, still in honor of the British statesman William Pitt. He allegedly wanted to pay respect to both Pitt and his Scottish heritage, thus our burg. But of course, indigenous people lived on this land long before the British, including the Seneca, Lenape, Shawnee, and the Monongahela cultures. So happy founding day, but let's not forget who lived here first. CityCast Pittsburgh will be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Talk to you soon. Okay. You got to give me a thumbs up or something. Otherwise, I'm going to sit here like a proper millennial and think that you hate me. So (laughs) constant validation is required.